Welcome to the Ready to Buy podcast. The podcast for busy young professionals like you to help get yourself and keep yourself ready to buy your dream home. Series one is for all of you looking to buy your first home. And whether that's next week, next month, or even next year, we'll walk you through the process and help you build your knowledge, your understanding, and your confidence really help ensure that you have a plan in place and that you're ready to buy when you want to be. The Ready to Buy podcast is brought to you by me, Mark Humphrey of MHC Mortgage and Protection Limited. And with over 20 years of experience in the mortgage industry, we help and support people like you buy their homes on a daily basis. We are passionate about making the process simple, easy, hassle and stress-free for all of our clients and we'll be sharing our knowledge, experience and loads of useful hints and tips throughout the series. We'd love you to get in touch if you'd like some help with your own situation and you can find us at mhcmortgages.co.uk. And to make sure you never miss an episode, you can subscribe using any podcast app out there, including of course Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Amazon. Welcome to today's episode, Extra Help for First-Time Buyers. Hi, it's Mark, and we've spoken at length over the past number of weeks about the process all the way from the very beginning and the thought of buying your first home through to picking your keys up. And hopefully you've really seen that by being deliberate about things, by getting help from the very start, by putting a plan in place, by breaking things down into smaller manageable chunks, things really can be a positive experience. So really believe that. Sometimes we might need that little bit of extra help that goes beyond that as well and help to get us onto the housing market and the property ladder. And these types of things can really depend on our income, maybe our situation and potentially as well where we live in the country. If we think about the difference in property prices, for example, central London versus say the northeast there's a huge variance in property prices probably far more than there is in terms of income and so today I'm going to explain some other options so some government schemes in a bit more detail so the help to buy equity loan scheme the government shared ownership scheme but also the joint borrower sole proprietor otherwise or historically known more in the realms of a guarantor mortgage where we might get some help from a loved one in terms of using their income and coming on to the mortgage with us. So we're going to go through those and just talk through them one by one and hopefully start to make it a little bit more accessible to some of you that simply are struggling to get the deposit together and it seems a long, long way away. And so the help to buy scheme or the government help to buy equity loan scheme as its full title and not to be confused with the help to buy ISA, which is a completely different thing. It's a shame, really. It would have been better to have labelled it something different. But if you've got a help to buy ISA, that is a savings account. And that is if you're buying for the first time, you can get a bonus, which is great. But the help to buy equity loan is as it sounds, in that the government will help you with an interest-free deposit, essentially, for your property. Now, the scheme started in April 2021 and will run through to March 23. 
The previous iteration has been and gone. And this scheme is for first-time buyers only. So for yourselves, and if there's two of you and you're buying together, both of you must be first-time buyers. And the definition of that would be you can't have owned property anywhere in the world. And the Help to Buy Equity Loan, to put simply, is an interest-free loan and it would provide you with up to 40% of the purchase price if you're buying within the London boroughs. Appreciate an awful lot of you don't and you'll be helped with an equity loan of up to 20% of the purchase price. Now you'd need to put 5% of your own deposit in. So 5% of the overall property value and purchase price. Essentially, if you're outside of London, we could be looking for a mortgage of up to 75% of the value of the property. If you're in a London borough, then up to 55%. Now, the help to buy scheme is very much looking at new build properties. And so you would have to go through a new build site and you'll see the help to buy logo on new build sites. Now, my suggestion would be across the country there are three help to buy agents where you can get more information and you can find properties that are part of these schemes okay so we're split into the north of the country which is helped by agent one london and the midlands which is helped by agent two and the south which is number three as you might have guessed if you go onto the ownyourhome.gov.uk website You'll find information there. I'll put it in the show notes to help you find it. And it will give you a breakdown of by area. And by going through there, you can start to have a look to see properties in your local area and start to get a feel for how, where and, and what sort of things that you could buy. I would very much recommend that you speak with a mortgage advisor and get advice from the very early days, really, just to start to understand how much you can afford. Because if you've already started to possibly look at buying through a standard purchase, so no government scheme, just with a deposit plus a mortgage, and possibly the reason you're looking at these schemes is because you simply can't afford the types of properties that you want or in that particular area, then they'll be able to go through the affordability calculation, which through the help to buy scheme is a bit different to a standard mortgage. And there's less autonomy, actually, in the help to buys for lenders because they have to operate within a set of criteria provided by the help to buy scheme. And so quite possibly the amount that you could borrow through this scheme will be a bit less than you could for a standard purchase. So understand how much you could borrow from the start and they'll be able to look at the figures depending on where you are in the country. It will then either be a 20% help to buy equity loan or a 40% along with your deposit and things start to become a bit clearer and you can start to formulate your plan with that. We've mentioned before that there's no interest for the first five years. Okay, The only payment that you would make on a regular basis through the scheme would be a nominal a pound a month, which would be payable to Target, who are the company that administer the help to buy equity loan. After five years, though, you would start to pay interest on that equity loan, so that 20 or that 40%. And it would start at 1.75 and it would increase each year thereafter. So whilst it is an interest-free loan for five years, the idea with this scheme and with many schemes is not that it's there forever, but it's given you a leg up, it's given you a step up onto the housing market. And so I would almost suggest having 
possibly a five-year plan to be in a position where you could look to repay that, either by selling the property and moving on to another one, or it might be that you can remortgage, raise funds and pay that off. Now, one thing to make really clear with the help to buy equity loan scheme is that if you're lent 20% or 40% of the value of the property at the start, at the point you want to repay it, you will have to pay that 20% or 40% of the value of the property at that point in time. So not when you buy it, but at that point in time. To give you some really easy figures, appreciate this isn't real world figures, but just for simplicity, if you were to buy a property for 100,000, you're outside London, Therefore, you could get a helped by equity loan of 20,000. You could put your deposit in a 5,000 and you could get a mortgage, assuming your income fit, for 75,000. Now, if you had the property for five years, let's say, and in that time the property doubled in value up to 200,000, then that 20% that you owe and have to pay back isn't 20,000 anymore because 20% of 200,000 is the 40,000. So I've spoken with a couple of clients that have come to me that didn't appreciate that from the start. So just to make that really clear, it is a percentage of the property at the point that you want to buy it or pay it off. So let's say you've gone onto the Help to Buy agents websites, you've already been and seen your advisor, you've understood how much you can borrow. And so if you find a property, you go and get in touch with the agent, you view it, you decide that you want to proceed. To reserve that property, you generally have to pay up to £500 and that is your commitment to that particular property. And as long as you proceed with it, you're not going to lose those funds. And it would simply be used towards your deposit. Okay, so it's important to understand that there is a commitment there. And then the process that goes from there, if you're using a mortgage broker, for example, they'll then assist, they'll provide a property information form, send it over to the help to buy agent, who would then look and assess and hopefully approve we would then get the authority to proceed from there and then the mortgage application would progress. So there are a couple of extra steps. We spoke a couple of episodes ago about the mortgage application, but it's relatively straightforward. There's just a couple of extra considerations in there. Now, when I talk about considerations, it's important to be mindful of this isn't a standard purchase, as we said before, if you were buying a property with a simple deposit and a mortgage. So one of the bits of feedback that we have with clients that have gone through the scheme, Target, the help to buy administrator, can be a little bit slow in terms of the process. So it can take a bit longer than a, a standard process. And I suppose with anything, if you involve more people in a process, it can slow down a little bit. There can be some additional fees as well. So we mentioned earlier that the idea at some point in time is that you're going to sell the property or that you're going to remortgage and pay the help to buy equity loan off, what would determine the value at that point in time? You may well get a mortgage lender's surveyor to go out, but you would have to arrange and pay for a RICS, so the Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors, a RICS surveyor to go out and provide an independent valuation report on the property. And the valuation given would tend to then be used in terms of determining how much you would need to then repay. So your 20% of whatever or 40% of whatever that value was determined as. There can be some other considerations and costs as well. And so there can be some administration fees. So if you needed to change your name, if you look to remove somebody, I've had that probably a few months ago. 
and it's a process to have to go through and there are a couple of administration fees there and there is a fee for redeeming the loan so paying it off in the end so there's whilst they're not huge they can equate to a few hundred pounds so just to be mindful of that also if you wanted to make any particular changes for example if you wanted to extend the property or if you were moving areas and you couldn't sell and you simply wanted to let the property you have to get their permission so you can't just do things like you could for example if you weren't part of the scheme so it's really important to be mindful of that and in terms of extending the property as well just another thing actually if you own 60 or 80 percent of the property you might be less inclined to actually do any work that's going to improve the value because don't forget every pound that you improve the property by you're increasing the share that you've then got to pay back to the help to buy equity loan definitely not a silly question Each episode, we like to answer a question that I might have been asked by a client this week because something that we don't know, no matter how big or small, particularly when it comes to money, mortgages and finance, will cause unnecessary stress. So I say to all of my clients, there really genuinely are no silly questions. And so the question this week I've been asked, is the help to buy equity loan scheme or the shared ownership scheme the right one for me? This is something I'm asked quite a lot, actually. And usually it's at the point where we've looked at your options buying without a government scheme and you simply can't borrow what you need or you can't get the property in the area that you're looking to buy, for example. And so, yes, is the answer that they are an alternative to a standard mortgage and a standard purchase and they may not suit everybody. What I would say is get advice and look and assess things based on your circumstances. I would very much see these schemes as a leg up onto the housing market, short to medium term. So really have think carefully, have a plan to get yourself buying out further shares or looking to sell and, and move on and use the equity that you've built up over that period of time in the property. So yes, it can present a good short to medium term option. In terms of longer term, I'd suggest it's possibly not a good long term strategy to expect to be on one of these schemes. And it's not what they're designed for. So if you have a question you'd like to ask anything at all, please get in touch through my LinkedIn page, I'm Mark Humphrey, or via the MHC Mortgages page on Facebook. Not only will I come back to you nice and quickly with an answer, but I promise to try and share your question in future episodes, because you can be sure if you're thinking that question, there'll be plenty of other people thinking exactly the same questions. Now, there are a couple of things that I need to tell you as we're talking money and mortgages. It's important to seek advice for your own individual circumstances, okay? And whilst it might seem really obvious, a mortgage is a loan secured on your home and your home may be repossessed if you don't keep up your mortgage payments. So in other words, if you have a mortgage or when you get a mortgage, pay it on time, you'll be fine.
So that is the Help to Buy Equity Loan Scheme. And hopefully that's uh, given you a quick sort of whistle-stop tour of the scheme itself. And the other popular government scheme is the Shared Ownership Scheme, and often referred to as Part Buy, Part Rent. And I think that sums it up quite neatly, really, in that if you can't afford to buy all of the property between your mortgage and your deposit, then the next best thing might be to buy a percentage of it. And you tend to find that through the shared ownership scheme, you may be able to buy anything between 25% of a property and 75% of a property and rent the remaining amount. Now, depending on how much you own or how much you're renting off the, the housing association will determine how much the rent is. The smaller your share, the higher the rent's going to be. And if you can imagine with that, when we start to think about your mortgage options, again, so, so important to get advice and get support on this one because the affordability is quite variable with this because if you can imagine, if you're paying a, a shared ownership rent payment for a property, that is classed pretty much the same as a credit commitment, like a loan, credit card, car finance, and that would reduce the amount that you're able to borrow. So very much so through the shared ownership scheme, you'll find that your mortgage capabilities or the maximum you can borrow will be a fair bit less than if you bought through a standard mortgage. You may also find, because a lot of properties through the shared ownership scheme can be flats, whereby there may be a service charge and a ground rent to pay so a charge to cover collectively, say, the cost of insuring the building with the other flat owners. It may cover the cost of communal upkeep and repairs, um, maintenance of roof and things like that. So there can be some additional costs with that. And because every development is different to each other, I really would recommend getting some help and guidance from a broker with that. Now, through the shared ownership scheme, similarly to the help to buy scheme, the majority are new build properties, so both houses and flats. Now, the difference being here is that we do see some secondhand properties. They would tend to be shared ownership resales, so whereby possibly somebody's bought through the shared ownership scheme a couple of years ago, they've sold the property back to the local agent and it's now for sale. So it's going to be fairly new. Unlike the Help to Buy Equity Loan Scheme, it isn't just for first-time buyers. So it is very much for first-time buyers, but if you're buying for the second time and circumstances have dictated that you simply can't afford the property you're looking for, it may be that you've split with a partner and on your sole income, it's all you can do to continue on the property ladder, then that is fine. One of the restrictions is that you can't earn more than £80,000 a year or nine, more than 90000 in London. I don't see that being a huge problem for most people. Now, the aim, like all of these schemes, is that it's a short-term solution rather than any sort of long-term solution. Now, the aim of the game here, I would suggest, is this gives you a foot onto the property market or the property ladder with a view to purchasing further staircases or staircasing as it's known, to buy further shares of the property over the coming years to the point where you own all of the property. Therefore, you get to a point where you're not having to pay the shared ownership rent as well. So it's beneficial from a monthly perspective. It may be that actually you sell it, which is absolutely fine. You sell the property, you take your equity. Now, be mindful of if you own, for example, you own a 50% share, 
This means that you owe 50% and that 50% would not be based on when you first bought it. It would be based upon the point that you sold it. And again, you'd have to get a, a RICS, so a Registered Institute of Chartered Surveyors, surveyor out to value the property, which incurs some expense and takes a bit of additional time to do. Similarly to the help to buy equity loan scheme, you can look for your local help to buy agent. So whether that be number one, which is the north, two, which is London and Midlands, or three in the south. And you can search for properties if you select shared ownership properties and you'll find some in your area. So hopefully there you can see two schemes which certainly won't be appropriate for everybody. But the idea is to give those of you a helping hand that maybe aren't just in a position, whether that be through the size of your deposit currently, whether you're living in an expensive area of the country where you just simply your income doesn't quite fit. So I would suggest it's a short to medium term solution to get you onto the housing market with a view to buying further shares in the future or selling to then buy somewhere else a bit more long term. And so the third option is nothing to do with the government. It's more to do with your loved ones. So for those of you where you're lucky enough to have the support of family or if you need to have the support of your family beyond providing you with some deposit, for example, then what's known as a joint borrower sole proprietor mortgage or previously they were more described as guarantor mortgages. And actually, if your parents are looking to help you out, they would probably describe it as a guarantor mortgage because that was sort of the common terminology going back a few years. And the idea of a joint borrower sole proprietor mortgage would be simply if your income isn't sufficient to provide you with enough of a mortgage to obtain the property that you want in the area that you want, then if there really are no other options, then we could potentially look at using their income in addition to yours, and therefore obtaining a larger mortgage. Now, that seems very straightforward and very simple, but there are quite a few considerations that we'll talk through. Now, with this type of mortgage, it's not available through all lenders as well. And as we've said before, every lender looks at you through a slightly different lens. So getting help, again, I know I keep saying it, a bit of a broken record, but you really do need to seek help from a, a mortgage broker to help talk you through your options and look at this. And it may be that it is or maybe that it isn't suitable for your requirements. And to explain the joint borrower sole proprietor part is that joint borrower would mean you're both on the mortgage. Now, when I say both, some lenders will have a maximum of two of you. So it may be yourself and, and a parent, for example, to go on the mortgage, whereas others may allow up to three or four. So it could be if there's possibly one or two of you looking to buy the house and live in the property. And then if you've got a parent or a couple of parents that are looking to help, lots of different things to consider. Now, the sole proprietor part would be that you would be the name on the mortgage deed. So you would be the one that owned the property. They wouldn't have any ownership over the property, but the mortgage would be in all parties' names. And that actually is quite an important consideration when we think about stamp duty, because it's likely that you're, let's say in this example, we said close family members to help you out. Most of the time, it may well be a parent. They're likely to have had a mortgage or be a property owner, highly likely. 
And so from a stamp duty perspective, and if we consider that as a first time buyer, currently you won't pay stamp duty if you buy below £300,000, all of a sudden, if they're not a first time buyer and they were an owner of the property, then you're no longer classed as a first time buyer because it's it's a bit like Trump's in that if one of you isn't a first time buyer, then you're both classed as, as non first time buyers. So that benefit of potentially less or no stamp duty would be lost. And so that's why the joint borrower sole proprietor option has come into play and has gained in popularity over the past few years. There are quite a few considerations and again links back to the fact that you should get advice with this. Many lenders will want this to be a short-term option. I'm sure in actual fact most lenders would want this to be a short-term option and so it's a case of them sense-checking what is your situation? Are you on a career path? Have you just qualified? Are you looking to progress your career? Is it feasible that in two, three, four, five years time you'll earn sufficiently to be able to take the mortgage on in your own right so no longer need your parent or your close family member on there and for some if that isn't the case use an example let's say you're looking to borrow £250,000 and you earn £12,000 a year now and it's unlikely you're going to get to the £40,000-£50,000 a year income in the near future or, or ever that would be needed to maintain a mortgage of that size, they may be reluctant to consider. It's not a complete no, but just to give you a bit of insight as to what the lender's frame of mind may be with that. As we said before, we've got quite a few lenders that will do it, but equally there are a lot that don't. So our options can be a little bit limited. Now what they will tend to require would be that the person going on the mortgage is a close family member. Not all, but the majority of lenders want there to be a family relationship and some will specify it has to be close and some will even say it can't be auntie uncle it has to be parent and you may find that they'll offer you the standard product rates you may find that they have a special set of rates for this and because it's classed as slightly different risk when they price the rates you may find you're having to pay a slightly higher rate some of the biggest considerations with this type of mortgage would be let's think if we're adding a parent to the mortgage depending on their age it's highly likely that we're going to have to restrict the mortgage term let's say for example you're 30 and your mum or your dad are going on to the mortgage let's keep it simple so it's just yourself and your mum is going on to the mortgage let's say your mum's 55 years of age and she's in a good job she intends to work to 65 or 70 Naturally, if we're looking to use her income from 55 to 65 or to 70, that's a 10 or a 15 year mortgage term. If you can imagine the standard, probably the the most common mortgage term I see for those buying for the first time tends to be anywhere between 25, 30, 35 years, then halving the mortgage term will simply increase the mortgage payments. Now, we do have a few lenders that potentially could take a term to your mum's 75th or even 80th birthday and if they're in a non-physical occupation where it's feasible they could work to that age we might find that we could extend the term but even then we're still looking at a shorter term so the monthly payment will be a bit higher potentially a fair bit higher than if we were looking for a standard mortgage what the lenders will also do 
is using our example, if your mum has a mortgage or doesn't have a mortgage, they'll take that commitment into play in terms of the overall affordability calculation. So even if there's no mortgage, they will take the running costs of of both homes. So the home that you're buying plus the home that your mum owns. And so it's likely, even without a mortgage, that they would take several hundred pounds for the council tax, for the utility bills, etc., that would have to be paid through her income. So as you can probably see, there are quite a few things to consider. Now, I've organised quite a few of these mortgages for clients, and some it really does suit and it works. And like I said, the idea is that in two or three or even four or five years' time, that you'll learn sufficiently to then take the mortgage on in your own right, and away you go. It's likely that your mum, again in our example, would need to get independent legal advice as well because she would become liable for that mortgage. So if you stopped paying the mortgage, for example, they would be more more than within their rights to come after her for the monthly payments too. So it's important that whilst she might be trying to help you, that she also understands that it's not without its risks from that perspective. And so in summary, I hope having gone through those three different options, there are three things that I've over the years have seen really help those buying for the first time that maybe just haven't quite had the deposit or the income or the situation to be able to buy in their own right. And let's face it, I think we would all like to buy without the help of whether it be the government schemes, whether it be our close family members. But actually, see it as a fantastic leg up to get you onto the property market. And in a few years time, I'm sure you'll be in a position to take things on in your own right. Lastly, as you've seen with all three of these, they're not rocket science, but there are a few more considerations and possibly a few more steps to go through. So please, please, please don't try and tackle it yourself. Get help, speak to a a mortgage broker, find someone that you can trust and they will talk you through and they will hold your hand throughout the whole process, even down to liaising with the various different parties involved. So whether that be the, the help to buy scheme, the shared ownership scheme and with the mortgage lenders and your solicitor just to ensure that things go nice and smoothly. So I hope that's been really helpful. Thanks so much for listening today. I really hope that you've enjoyed the episode and found it helpful. We'd love you to join us next time when we'll be talking you through overcoming the barriers as a first-time buyer. In the meantime, you can help us reach and help many, many more people like yourself by leaving a five-star review on whichever platform you get your podcast and by sharing the podcast on your social media channels. So until next time, take care.